Amen, amen, church. Thank you guys so much for saying You may all be seated. All right. Thank you guys here. Whoa. Here we go. Um, yeah, I know it's Saturday night. Some of you guys can come from distance. Some of you guys have changed plans. Uh, it really means a lot to me um, and Carrie. I know that. And it's always really great to see all the people in this room. So, um, And it feels good to be in the living room again. All right? This is our spot. Um, eight years ago, Carrie and I felt God leading us to plant a church. And it was not something we really wanted. This is not something we had dreamed about. And um, we didn't know where we wanted to plant a church. We didn't know how to plant a church. We didn't know even when we were supposed to plant a church. We just felt God leading us into this. And uh, through a few connections, uh, we, we, we met through an organization called Stadia, which is a church planting organization. And they told us, you need to go through this thing called church planter assessment. And I'm like, oh, okay, what is that, like a, a little quiz? <laughs> like you just fill something out and then you let us know? Um, intensive does not begin to describe church planter assessment. It's known as CPAC, and many a church planter say it now with like a uh, grizzled tone of experiencing something truly traumatic. And we went through it, uh, and in many cases, what it is, it's a three-day experience where you are being scrutinized over every word and action that you make, and you've got a, you've got a psychologist actually following you around, taking notes, watching you relationally interact with other people, through all these different exercises and initiatives, it's terrible. Um, and then at the end you say, I'm really glad I went through that, but you're not sure if you really mean that. Um, there have been many church planners, or, or many pastors, I should say, uh, who I've met who have dreamed about or, or felt led to planting a church for, in some cases, years. And they go through CPAC, and they're told by the assessors, no, you shouldn't do this. And it's an, in church planting world, it's called the red light. Uh, you get the stop and it is it's not fun to see or to be a part of to see the, the kind of heartbreak you experience fortunately for us we received a green light on one condition the assessors watched Karen after three days pointed at her in this final meeting and said she has to lead within this church and Carrie and I had done ministry before together but we'd never co-pastored we'd never co-led an initiative or, or an appointment or a mission or anything. And so this was, um, I wouldn't say surprising, but it was kind of like, all right. All right. We, we, at the more we thought about it, the more we really felt affirmed uh, to do this and to respond to that advice and that discernment and that wisdom. We knew it would be a new experience and a new adventure together as a husband and wife to, to work together that intimately and closely in church leadership. Um, and on this night, the night of your pastoral ordination, it's really important to note that this has been the most enriching experience of my life. And I'm saying that as a pastor. I'm going to leave the husband speak. I'm going to tone it down a little bit on that. But it's, you have been my all-time favorite teammate to work with in any context. And um, the, uh, the, over the last seven years, it's, it's um, Carrie's instincts and her voice and her discernment and her holiness because those of you who spend a long time around me or any time around me know that holiness is not a, an instinct for me. It is something that God has beaten into me over time. And, he, and I have a, a partner in ministry and in marriage that has helped with that. Uh, but her holiness has really led me and this church 
into beautiful seasons. Restore would not have been launched. It would not have matured. It would not be sustainable as a movement, a mission, or a church without Carrie's pastoral leadership. And additionally, the practice of mutual submission in our pastoral leadership team uh, has also, also greatly blessed our marriage. And it needs to be noted when men and women are empowered equally together in any organization. In this case, it's sacred. It's the church. Uh, beauty and strength and heaven meet earth when men and women are empowered equally in any ordination. I've seen it in both instances without men and women empowered equally, and I've seen it in this church with that. And I would choose this any day of the week to work for and to work in that kind of an environment. Um, your ordination is empowering to you, but it's also empowering to me and to our church, uh, to any of us who have been influenced by your words, your actions, and your leadership. And to be ordained, if you don't know what that word means, um, I'm actually not sure if that word ordained is in Scripture, uh, but the phrase set apart is in Scripture, which means to accept an appointment or a mission or specific calling. And you see, there's a storied tradition of ordination or of appointment or of being set apart throughout the Old and the New Testament. There was Miriam alongside Moses and Aaron as they led the, or led the Israelites out of Egypt and out of slavery to the point of where when Miriam criticized Moses, people would not move forward until she was reinstituted into leadership. That's the kind of power and authority and influence she had. And then you had Deborah, who was a judge and the commander-in-chief and you had um, Phoebe, who Paul wrote to as an, a, an early church leader in the Roman church. And you had Junia, the apostle, who was an early church leader. You had Jesus, or I'm sorry, you had um, Peter and Andrew walking along the Sea of Galilee, plying their trade as fishermen, and Jesus saying, I have a new job for you. I have a new appointment, a new mission. I'm going to train you for that. And they were the first, they were part of the crew that were the early leaders of the first church. There was um, Mary Magdalene and the other women who were at the tomb of Jesus and were charged to preach the very first sermon that anybody would ever hear that Jesus had risen from the dead. They spoke the words that started the first church. And then you had Paul and uh, Barnabas in Acts 13 uh, being commissioned as missionaries to Seleucia. And it goes on and on and on throughout history. Men and women have been ordained, appointed, set apart to lead a specific calling or mission and Carrie, you get to live in that sacred tradition now. You, you are called. You are set apart. Um, and I acknowledge as your fellow pastor, you are someone who has authority in gospel storytelling. You're someone whose voice we should continue to submit to and follow. You have proven over and over again your willingness to respond to God's Holy Spirit through submitting your entire life to his will. So thank you for your faithfulness to this appointment and calling. I'm thankful for the last eight years with you. I'm thankful for those words eight years ago when they said, she needs to be leading in this church. She is another gospel storyteller. So I want to introduce you to Carrie Thomas, uh, minister of the gospel, also known as Pastor Carrie. fumble excuse me just a minute. oh man guys um I have to admit this Aaron made me do this tonight he made me be or no I'm just kidding uh but I will say 
He has been my number one encourager and supporter of, uh, of leading and of following God's calling to lead. And I'm incredibly thankful. Thanks for your words, honey. That was really kind and um, very meaningful. Thank you for being here tonight. You're all family to me. And each and every face that came through the door, it really felt like, oh, good, they're here. This is a really special moment, not one I ever dreamt of being part of. Uh, to be real, I have been really resistant, truly, to this um, every step of the way, I guess, since we've moved here. Um, and I'll get to why, but it didn't start out that way for me. I want to tell you a little bit about my life um, to give you a picture of how I've been able to look back and see God's calling and, and preparation for a life of, um, of following Jesus and preaching the gospel. Um, as a kid, I know this will come as a huge shock, but I was a talker. I know, it's totally surprising. But I was a really big talker, and my grandpa called me Wendy. That was my nickname. I really thought he was referring to the pigtailed girl from the Wendy's restaurant. It took a while for me to figure out that he was talking about my um, usage of lots and lots of wind, uh, as I was pretty wordy. The truth is, I always, uh, <laughs> as silly as this sounds, I've always felt like I had something to say. I've always felt like somebody needed to hear what I had to say. Now, when I was a kid, my parents were trying to figure out what that meant and would kind of tease me a little bit and say, oh, you just like being the center of attention. And something about that didn't necessarily sit right, but they were my parents. They were guiding me. And um, fortunately, they uh, guided me into do some, to do some great activities to take part in to sort of discover uh, myself and, and to use um, this voice I wanted to use. And so I did lots of singing and uh, dance and um, Plays. I did a lot of plays, and this is stuff my parents pushed me to do, and, you know, it was exciting to do that. Um, and in the midst of those things, at the same time, God was forming me by surrounding me with people who loved God and who loved me. I've been fortunate um, to look back on my life and see all these people God has placed in my path, just whispering his truth in my ear and into my life. Um, and it's been very formative. So with all those experiences, trying to figure out who I am, I knew that I always had something to say. And the older I got, the more I wanted to speak about him. But as enthusiastic as I was, around middle school time, as you do, I learned that just because you have something to say does not mean people will listen. It doesn't mean that they want to hear you, which... To be fair, I don't know that I would have wanted to heard a, a lot of things that I was saying in middle school either, but it was kind of a start to a period of being shut off a little bit, kind of learning when to speak in good ways, but also to be silent um, in painful ways. I don't want to stand up here and talk about stories of feeling devalued. I have them. I think you probably have them too. I don't want to talk about stories of people dismissing me or dismissing the truth that I feel like I have to share. What I do want to do is tell you about the people and the ways that God has empowered me and showed me how to use a voice and showed me what to say and when to say it. I was a brand new freshman in English class when 
I got an essay back that I had just finished. I had an A. Woo, yay. But I also had a note from the teacher that said, see me after class. Which, you know, not necessarily something you associate with something good. But I saw her after class, and she was honoring me and inviting me as a freshman to be part of the award-winning high school newspaper. We had a really great high school newspaper, and it was really an honor. And she looked at me, and she said, Carrie, you have something to say, and you're good at saying it. And she invited me to be part of the newspaper, and it was a big part of my life for the next four years of high school. So big that I decided that I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. That's what I want to do with my life. I decided, okay, I know what I want to do. I want to take the news, and I want to be the person that gets to decide how it's said. And then everybody would have to listen to me. Seems about right, right? So, I uh, thanks to some incredible connections, truly, not because of my own doing, but I really landed some amazing internships. Uh, for a couple of years, I worked for a radio station. It was the, the top radio station in Indianapolis. Once again, thanks to connections. Great experience there. And then, following that, I got to intern for a television station. And it was, the, at the time, the highest rating television show, or television news station. It's WTHR, if you want to look it up. And I interned there um, for, let's see, I think about a year. Um, really exciting. It was fun to go out with the reporters and, and be videotaped and be on camera. And it's much harder than you think, and they get paid junk. Let me just, just to be honest. However, even while I was pursuing that, and God was um, definitely making me feel like I was doing the right thing for a while, Slowly but surely, my interest in that actually lessened. I don't know if it was the competitive environment. I don't know if it was the uh, low pain. <laughs> uh, it wasn't. I'm just kidding. God was speaking. And once again, um, I realized that it wasn't an area that God was calling me to use, whatever gift he had given me. So fast forward to the early 2000s, and Aaron and I... Um, kind of were feeling, we were just married in 2003, we were feeling this tension, uh, this sense of uh, feeling like we were kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. Not together, I mean, as a unit we were more strong, but we were just learning how to be married, but just kind of had this sense that God was calling us to something else. So we committed um, to pray for it. And we said, all right, let's, we can't agree on what we think God's saying here, so let's agree that we're going to pray about it. And we did. And then, uh, lo and behold, it felt like out of nowhere, um, somebody called us, and a really dear friend of ours called and said, hey, our pastor is looking for a youth, youth pastor here in Arizona, and uh, we think Aaron would be a great fit. And to which I laughed, because he cussed so much. I was like, there's no way. He should be a youth pastor. Sorry, honey, I'm just being honest. Not that much, Okay. <laughs> more than our youth pastor at our church. Um, however, we kind of thought, wow, this might be the thing that, that God's providing. So we went out to Arizona, and it was a fit that fit us. And we went out, and it was an incredible experience. We, neither one of us had ever planned on being part of vocational ministry. Um, so this was something we didn't uh, know was coming, but it was so exciting. And I can tell you that I learned things about Jesus that I had never learned in my life, experiencing that ministry, experiencing that culture, working with those students and those families. And my love for Christ just blew up. 
And all of a sudden, I found myself in this place that had never been, opening my hands up and saying, okay, God, here you go. My hands are open. I will go wherever you call me, and I'll do whatever you call me to do. Don't ever pray that prayer, ever. Don't ever do it. (laughs) Not long into that church plant experience, we were at a church plant. These evil whispers, they weren't evil, but they were scary whispers started to come Aaron's way and my way. The pastor of the church and many other leaders that we trusted started to say things like, so do you guys think you could ever plant a church? Once again, be careful what you pray for. Not something I dreamt about and definitely not something that I wanted and I resisted. And to be real, the thing that made me feel the most resistant wasn't ministry. It wasn't telling people about Jesus. It was being in a place where people could criticize and judge you and that they would. I'd seen it enough where I was and that terrified me. I didn't, I'm a professional get people to like me person. I didn't want to do anything. Yes, I really just said that. I didn't want to do anything where I knew I would create some sort of, you know, uh, existence where people could judge everything that I did and have opinions about everything that I did. I'm such a people pleaser in so many ways, and it just terrified me. However, in 2010, clarity. God made it clear to Aaron and to myself that he had called us to move and to plant a church and to do it. As much as I didn't want to because I was scared, he kept giving us provision and he kept giving us peace, peace and provision. We couldn't argue with that. And we landed out here in Silver Spring, Maryland. And here I sit, no more resisting, right? Except wait, I did continue to resist. That wonderful explanation of the church planting assessment that he did, it, was re- it really was great. But my takeaway was, sure, I'll be a helper. I'll sing. That's it. And I'll do small groups. I don't know. I was going to do stump- something on the side. But this man and so many of the voices in this room have continued to say, no, no, no. You need to speak. You need to say things. You need to do more than that. And so... Really, here I am tonight, fully not resisting. I'm scared, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm nervous. But not because of the criticism, because I know that what God will continue to call us into um, will be hard and challenging and equally rewarding, I'm sure. But it's once again having this faith journey of following his voice. Building up to tonight, there have been divided thoughts and opinions swirling in the minds of godly, loving people that I truly respect. And in one side of things are people in our life who have been kind of shocked that we haven't done this before. There's lots of other churches that empower women and ordain women. Why would we not do that? Why has it taken this long? And then there's other people on the other side who've supported us, who've poured into us, and who I trust deeply, who don't agree with this. They don't agree that women should be ordained as ministers. The reason that I haven't done it until now is because I needed to own it. I didn't want to do it because it would please people. I wanted to do it because I truly agreed, believed, 
owned it and accepted it. And to, to those people in my life who I love dearly who don't agree with this, I don't need you to empower me. I don't need it. I've already been empowered. I was empowered the day that I accepted Jesus into my heart. And I became one with the Holy Spirit. And so were all of you. We've already been empowered. This is incredibly empowering. Don't get me wrong. I don't need this. I don't. I'm glad. I'm grateful for the opportunity. This is sacred and important. But to be truthful, I felt just as ordained before tonight as I will feel after. I know God has called. This night, though, isn't, uh, isn't really totally about me. I really am so thankful that you're all here, and I feel the love in this room, and I felt the love by so many messages and, um, and phone calls and just really kind texts, all kinds of thoughts that have come my way to be just encouraging and supportive to, of tonight, and I'm really, really thankful for that. But like I said, tonight, it's not about me, and it's actually not even about empowering those who haven't been empowered, even though that's important. Tonight's about Jesus. Tonight's about his church, and that's you. That's us. Tonight's about us as his ordained and called followers. It's about all of us taking this on. God loves us so much that he sent his son to experience something so lowly compared to him is humanity. He came to earth and he experienced humanity and he inspired us with the way that he lived humanity, right? He inspires me in so many ways. And one way I want to share with you tonight that Jesus inspires me is I'm going to put a picture up here. This is a lily of the valley. This is my favorite flower, though technically I think it's actually a weed but we're not going to talk about the part of it. It's a flower tonight. Cool thing about Leo the Valley, let me tell you a couple of things about this. It actually, it's very dainty. They're tiny. You can kind of see that in this picture. They're tiny little buds. They actually have a, a very expanded root system underneath the ground. That's how they grow. They spread really quickly. In fact, people with really fancy landscaping don't want them in their yard because they take over other plants. They're very strong underneath. They, they're strong, and they support each other. On top of the surface, there are these delightful, dainty, very fragrant little buds. And I love that. But I want you to just notice something really special about this, too. Notice how they point. They don't point up at the sun. They're known as the flower of humility. They point down. They bow down. The thing that inspires me about this flower I love about this flower is that we can be beautiful and humble at the same time and emit this incredible fragrance of the Lord. In fact, I want to point out a couple scriptures that come to mind. 2 Corinthians 4, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians verses 14 to 16, it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in the triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. And here's another one. This is Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. As believers, we have to be mindful of our fragrance to our world. Diffuse God's love in a gentle, loving way and not be overbearing with our presentation of Christ. 
That right there is what I want to do tonight, guys. I do want to commit to that. I do want to tell you that I hope I was honoring it before, but I want to continue to honor God in that way, that I want the fragrance of Christ to come from me. I want that. I want to carry that with me everywhere I go. And I commit to you that I'm going to do my best. I'm not perfect. I, um, I don't feel qualified. I don't. I don't feel like I'm enough. I'm a woman, a young woman. Um, I have ADHD, incredibly forgetful. Um, I don't have a PhD like a few of you in here. I don't have a seminary degree. Um, I'm not enough, but God's enough. And he's put that fragrance inside of me to share. And he's put that inside of you. Once again, I want to make this night about us as a church. I, I thank you for being here to help ordain me, but I hope it's a challenge to you as well to understand the power Christ gives you when he becomes part of you. And I read one more scripture. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. This is the message version. It says, remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness. And our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God and the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we have not been broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. Tonight, I acknowledge that Jesus' life is at work in me, and I'm honored by this night. I'm honored by this calling. I no longer resist. I embrace. But friends and family of believers, Jesus' life is at work in you. I want to spend my life helping you and others to receive him and to know that. So I'm going to invite the other uh, ordained ministers up front here. And um, this is Scott and Carol, Josh Burnett, Andy McNeely. Some of you know this guy. Um, uh, these, these are dear friends of ours, as well as ministers in the area, um, Baltimore, Annapolis, uh, Baltimore. And, uh, may, you know, took time out of their schedule because they really believe in this night and, 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 and been very supportive uh, of, of us and especially of Carrie. And so just wanted to signify 
and this moment with it's kind of a uh, an homage to Acts chapter six when they needed more leaders in the church and they laid hands they selected people and they laid hands on them and so if you would if you guys would stand up um, just in a symbolic manner we're all going to stand Carrie's going to sit we're each going to lay hands on her uh, Scott Josh and Andy and we're going to each take turns just praying a prayer of blessing uh, over this pastoral ordination and over Carrie. Um, I'll start and we'll just work our way around. Lord, thank you for this night and for this uh, sacred and joy-filled moment. Thank you for um, the historic tradition that we get to be a part of, of sharing your love and truth with others. And Lord, we know Carrie has great ability to do that. Um, her heart and her mind, it's in her heart and mind, it's very evident that she has submitted to you. Um, that she is willing to follow your voice anywhere, at any time, for any reason. Um, thank you for uh, moving her into this position, uh, this ordination, this uh, appointment. And Lord, I pray that you would give her um, even more confidence and security in this calling. Um, that you would lead her deeper and nearer to your presence. Uh, so that as she is sharing your news, uh, your love, your truth with others, she would be filled with just a, just a, um, a very solid foundation of knowing you are right there with her, speaking through her, um, showing others who you are through her actions, that she would be uh, a royal priestess, an, uh, a continual image bearer of you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. God, um, over the last three years, Carrie's voice has carried such weight in my life um, as it has in the lives of so many others here. Um, God, her, her voice has been one of encouragement, but it's also been one of challenge in my life. And I know that Carrie's unique voice um, offers something that many of us don't have, uh, a woman who will challenge us, who will speak boldly um, about your word, um, that will challenge people to take steps further into your kingdom and to know you more. I'm thankful for that, God, and I pray that more people get to meet you through Carrie. Um, I pray for her boldness as she continues to preach, as she already has, God, that she continues to preach your word with boldness and strength and that people see um, not just her boldness and strength but also her humility. Um, God, she has such a powerful prophetic voice in this world and here in Silver Spring and in this church in my life. Um, and I'm so thankful for um, her bold words that have pushed and moved me and my family, um, that have encouraged people. Um, it's just, it's so powerful, God. Thank you for using Carrie in our lives, and we know that you will continue to use her. Um, and so we just join her um, and join you today, God, in celebrating her life and in celebrating what you're doing through her and what you'll continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Lord, we just thank you for Carrie. Uh, we thank you for um, who you have uh, created her uh, to be. Um, God, just her empathy and her compassion and her, her love uh, for people is evident the very first time you meet her. And... Um, Lord, uh, as Aaron said, we, uh, I think all of us have probably been challenged by her holiness at one point or another, and we're grateful for that as well. Um, Lord, right now we just want to affirm and recognize 
your calling on her life, uh, what we have already seen affirmed by you, um, and the ways that you have used Carrie powerfully up to this point. And, um, Lord, I, I just, I just thank you, um, for how you've used her up to this point. And God, even, even though, uh, this moment, uh, really is just an acknowledgement of what has been, um, God, I pray that you would, um, use this moment as a marker in her life and in the life of this church and in the life of the church at large um, to bring glory to your name and to to fill Carrie with confidence and with boldness and with, um, as she has said, just beautiful humility um, that you have used her but that you're not done and that uh, what what she um, what she can even dream or imagine in this moment of how you want to use her falls so short, God. And I pray that you would just continue to uh, just affirm that in this church and in the church. Um, and God, we just we thank you for the gift of who she is in you and uh, and how you're going to use her uh, to bring your kingdom to earth in Jesus' name. God, every good and perfect gift is from you. And uh, because you are a giver of good gifts, you've let us know Carrie as uh, a gift as a mother, a gift as a wife, a gift as a friend, a gift as uh, family, uh, a gift in many, many layers and ways. And tonight, we come together and say thank you for the gift of this pastor. The, 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 the gifts and abilities, the, the calling that she is receiving. And, and, and in that, we, we pray just as uh, she points out the lily of the valley, that the roots would be deep, that the sustenance would not be the praise of people or the efficiency of getting to do things and solving people's problems in the name of Jesus, <laughs> but to... Um, but to be a plant rooted and built up by the life that comes from you. Um, God, I pray just three specific charges that you would, um, that you would help her to be subversive, um, that, that her voice and her calling and her actions and her listening would point people to a greater kingdom than this one. God, I pray that, uh, that her actions would be apocalyptic, uh, just that they would point to people things that will matter 100 years from now, things that will matter at the end of things, things that, uh, that will never spoil or perish or fade. Um, and I pray that she would be unbusy, that on all of that she would not take upon things that are intended only to be taken upon by you, and in that as people continue to, and perhaps in addition to this night, depend on her for things and call upon her for things, that her life and her rhythms would reflect the root system and the humility uh, to which you've called her. And uh, God, I pray those three things as, as, uh, as we leave tonight encouraged and challenged and uh, thankful for our friend, Carrie. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
So we're going to celebrate with one more song. The band's going to come up. 